You're listening to Local Fidelity on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Tom Gallo. Thrilled to have a guest on this week's edition of Local Fidelity. Local legend, Jamie Fry. Dude, so congrats. Your awesome new album is out now. It's called All Night. Love it. How's it feel to have it out in the world? Oh, thanks so much. I'm glad you dig it. Um, it's a weird feeling in a way because uh, the record was almost done in March during the shutdown and then trudging along during the pandemic, like finalized mixes, got it mastered. And I didn't really know what to do with it because everything sort of got like, you know, gunked up. And at a certain point, I was like, I just want people to hear it. So I very abruptly put it out on uh, my 35th birthday because then just in my head, I had a conversation with myself. I was like, oh, I'm going to turn 35 and like not have this record out. So like, let me put the fucking record out. You know? <laughs> yeah. But what's nice is that I've like, it's something uh, I worked really hard on and the band worked really hard on. And uh, Ian Elkin and Dave Bunting from King killer we all worked a ton on this record to make this uh i would maybe describe as a, a more elaborate pop album than i'd been able to do anytime thus before so just to share that with the community has really been awesome and now getting to play the songs again is like a fucking dream it's such a huge relief to uh get to interact with the audience in that way you know IRL, you know. <laughs> Dude, IRL is the way to be. Yeah. Very cool. So did the... I, I kind of had a feeling that this record was going to come out last year. And then, of course, for so many people, the pandemic kind of fucked that up a little bit. But it also sounds like it wasn't completely done by the time the pandemic hit. So did the pandemic at all you think changed the way the record wound up sounding or the final product? No, not really. It was just so close. It was just maybe like a few hours of mixing and just no one was going into the studio. And then at a certain point, me and Ian and Dave were the guys we were working with. We're just like, let's just meet in the studio, put a few hours on it, and then we can send it out to masters. And it was really just something like that. I think it was only one session of mixing and would listen to it at the end of that session and said, this is it. It was. It really was like a inches away, you know? Damn. Dude, so close yet so far at that point in time. So tell me about your background a little bit playing music in New York City. This band, No Ice, has been around since 2014, but you grew up here. You spent a lot of time here playing music and stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about your backgrounds leading up to this point. Well, I started playing in bands kind of in junior high school i started just messing around with music a little bit i'm from kensington brooklyn and uh i didn't have much of a musical background really any training whatsoever uh but my two best friends and i got really into rock and roll around when we were in junior high school and started asking for instruments as presents for hanukkah or birthday christmas or whatever and we started just messing around just really is just like sort of graduating from video games and playing street hockey or whatever, you know what I mean? Like yeah, shooting basketball is like all of a sudden there was like a new thing going on. But in high school, I went to Edward R. Murrow High School, which is a great school that uh, 
has just lots of music and arts. And, um, you know, I showed up there and I, I got the first day, see all these punks and metalheads and rockers and stuff. And everyone played music. And uh, it was around then I started my first band with those two guys, one of my best friends. Um, and we started playing shows at a metal club in Bensonhurst called Lemoore's, which used to... Lemoore's legendary <laughs> metal club. Yeah. It, it used to build itself as the rock capital of Capital Brooklyn. of Brooklyn, yes. So when I was a teenager, my teenage band opened for like Mountain and the Dead Kennedys. Uh, Mountain? Uh, the band from the 60s? Yeah, Mississippi Creek. Wow. Yeah, we That's played, amazing. We played at 8 and they played at 1 a.m. And we were about <laughs> 15. It's actually interesting. I, I realized, I didn't really think about this ever, but I started playing in band. Like our first band started kind of right after 9-11. And this year is like the 20th anniversary of 9-11 happening and kind of 20 years of me playing music, which makes me feel so fucking old, yeah. but accomplished in some level, you know, Yeah. that I made it this far. Um, so, yeah, I was, you know, in a high school band. We got to do cool stuff like open for Mountain and the Dead Kennedys at this metal club and like we play in like Coney Island and, you know, a few things. But like, really, that was like a very like... You know, South South Brooklyn wasn't really very cool, and like we didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of access um, to any other music communities. But our high school, our friends, we all loved rock and roll, and a lot of people played. So there was a little micro thing going on. And then when I was in college, there was like a year where I was maybe going to be like a solo anti-folk type guy. But then I ended up starting a band called the Brooklyn What, which would be around till. Right, I think 2015, and we started in 2007 with all New Yorkers, uh, and we also didn't know any bands, so we sort of started as a little micro scene with just some people we grew up with, some like sort of just like locals, and then eventually that ride would have me meet every music person, you know, it's like going from knowing nobody to like playing with fucking every band and every venue in the city. No, I started as my like more personal project to the Brooklyn What. Yeah, did uh, you start this project with the intention of like developing this particular like pop rock, power pop influence sound? Because as a big fan of the first record too, come on, feel the no ice, nod to the Lemonheads record and definitely has that sound as well. What was your intention with starting this band? Well, the Brooklyn What was like the most like audacious rock and roll band. And what I used to do back then is take my shirt off and run around and, <laughs> and just like exert myself till I was absolutely purple and jump off the stage and land on my fucking knees and just like destroy my body and like you know it was a certain thing but like at a certain point I realized that that was this one sort of angle and like I was starting to play guitar more and the guys were much better at guitar than me so there was not like that much entry for me to play just because I was so far behind. I mean, I would write yeah. songs on guitar, but you, you know, my my um, to the world, I was just a guy who runs around and screams, kind of. Um, so I wanted to show that part, and I started writing songs yeah. like a little more introspective. And the music that I was listening to at that time when I wrote the No Ice Records was like the Lemonheads, Liz Fair, Joni Mitchell, Big Star, 
um, stuff like Chet Baker and Roy Orbison. I had these other influences that kind of like required like a little more quiet, a little more space. And I wanted to sort of explore the angle that was like maybe like a little less aggressive and less masculine in a way, just like after, you know, being like balls deep and like loud, fast rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. For a long time. Because I love pop music and uh, I didn't, you know, sometimes you have to create a little niche where you can write pop music, you know? Yeah, totally. And what about comparing this record to that first No Ice record? What was different as far as your approach with respect to this record and how you wanted it to sound in comparison? Well, the Come On Feel the No Ice was like the first time I ever got to do anything like that. Yeah. Uh, because the Brooklyn One was a very like democratic band. And at a certain point, I think I decided to allow myself, this sounds funny, like the room to be a little more pretentious than I was, <laughs> which is like a phase that like doesn't have to last forever necessarily. Cause you're always in life. You'll always get humbled again. It doesn't matter how fucking much you get gassed up. Life will humble you. But at the moment I was like, well, I got pretty good at writing songs and, uh, I wanted to like, sort of like let my sort of brain fly all over a record yeah. a little more. And I never got a chance to do anything like that. The reason no eyes even came to be is cause we missed a Brooklyn watch session and I recorded two songs I had just written with Jesse on the drums, which ended up being Summer and Bummer and Darlin' with uh, uh, Oliver Ignatius. And that with, there was no no ice. It was just two. That was like two demos of of new material that was, just was me on guitar and Jesse on drums. Um, and then, sort of, I just flew with that concept. I read the uh, replacement biography, um, Trouble Boys. Great, uh, great, the part about, great book. There's a part about Paul Westerberg that I really like identified with. So, I mean, as, uh, he's a very, obviously very big influence on mine, but there was something about like when he went solo, he started like wearing different type of glasses and talking about how influenced he was by John Coltrane and Joni Mitchell. <laughs> and he was like, that's his pretentious fit. And I was like, oh shit, that's exactly like <laughs> the move I like. Telegraphed. I was like, man, I understand. Like sometimes you just like want to be like, yes, I'm, I'm, you know, a little more pretentious than you saw me the last time. But that record was like really like wide open, and I listened to it. It's like there's a lot of on the fly stuff. Like there were a few songs that I had a bunch of people. Uh, who had never heard the song and we got to go like a couple songs in there like things I just threw together and then the people uh, who were playing on them you know were just kind of picking them up and I like that sound I, that's, you know there's a lot of like kind of there's a lot of life to that um, I wasn't sure exactly what I was doing at the time and that was yeah. great you know and I think it made it very open this record was like did that make it harder than kind of knowing what 
you were doing more so or did in some ways or did that make it easier for uh, you? I think it was easier because I just like decided to believe my own bullshit. No way. And just be like, <laughs> yeah, cool. That works. Okay. You want to print that? Yeah. Okay. And you know, and, and you know, it was, it was, a you know, a new group was just sort of coming together during the recording of the album. Like I, you know, started playing with Sean in the middle of recording the record and then he ended up being on the record. Um, but you know, a few of them are just mostly me and Jesse and like, it's, you know, it has different personalities. Like, uh, you know, we had guests on the record and, you know, it, it like describes like a really loose, open environment. That's what I hear when I listen to it now. Whereas all night is like a pop record that I like sort of dreamed of and meticulated on what the song should sound like. And a lot of the songs ended up coming through the band in the live set. Uh, and like having, you know, it's like like a song that some of them are not. I say maybe, maybe half the record were songs we played a lot and the band was really, really sort of confident in the arrangement that we had all kind of worked out together. And then a few of them were songs that they like only like I said to demo at some point and I was like, all right, now we're going to let's give this a shot or whatever. So there is some of that uh, on your feet thing. But I think that when I was writing the Come On, Feel It, No Eyes songs and sort of getting into the headspace to make that record, I was really just getting comfortable playing guitar on it because this was my first album that I played guitar on and being uh, arranging my songs and like giving my songs a little more like sort of acumen in certain terms of pop arrangements and like you know what I mean like trying to like think up stuff and then execute it or whatever yeah and uh, and I hear a lot of stuff that I'm like oh yeah this is you know this is like cool little bits in the arrangement or whatever and then by the time like I got to recording the nine songs on all night I had like thought of ton about the arrangements you know yeah 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 so is that why? Because on this record, I know you played a you played a role in producing the record, whereas on the first record, you didn't play a role producing that record. Was that kind of part of it that you kind of had more of a vision of exactly how you wanted it to sound that you wanted to make sure it played out the way? I didn't it did? even I I wasn't necessarily going to take a producer credit on the record. I asked Ian. Ian Elkin and Dave Bunting recorded and mixed the whole thing with me. And I said, yeah. who gets the producer credit on this? I wasn't, um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I, I like, I have very little uh, aptitude for any of the sort of tech parts of music, yeah. you know. Uh, but if I have someone I can communicate with, you know, and that's what happened. And Ian and Dave were just both really good at communicating with the band. And everyone is like, you know, like, like lots of, I was able to get certain things across that I had maybe dreamed up. Uh, so then they said, yeah, you should probably take a producer credit if anyone's going to take it or whatever. So I decided to do it. I really wasn't going to do it. I like literally, I didn't think about it too much because I would never like, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't tell myself it's like some. I know it's weird. Like, like a lot of contemporary artists, like everyone's their own producer, and like you know, has a lot of acumen and yeah. recording music, and um, you know, do, you know, can do their whole record on their laptop or from home or whatever. But I kind of I like the action of a studio. I like you know, and in the live feeling of that, like 
not like a work from home type situation. Like, you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that I was really challenging myself with how good I could make the record sound and maybe like how much I could input I could have. I tried to make myself better in this situation as opposed to just be like, okay, cool, it's done. And there's nothing wrong with that either, you know. Sometimes you make a regular, like, cool, you lay it down, that's done, awesome, you know. So I, I also really liked, I thought I heard more of a, like, UK pub rock influence on this record. I feel like on certain songs is really uh, Costello and Graham Parker and the Rumor vibe to them. Was that something you were conscious of? Or were you listening to stuff like Squeeze and bands like that when you were writing some of these songs? Yeah, there's definitely some really specific influences. I mean, Elvis Costello, um, since I was a teenager, like, has been a pretty primary influence just because, like, sort of like a funny yeah. guy with glasses. And, you know, it's like when I was a kid, as soon as I got these records, like, this literally yeah. everything you're saying makes sense to me. Like, on the first three records, where he's, like, really, like, kind of, like, snide and like acidic like that really you know that's something that always really like spoke to me uh there's definitely a lot of uh british influence on the record i think the thing that to me the record most sounds like is uh robert palmer um there's yeah. a song called johnny and mary uh, off the clues record by robert palmer which is song like I would be going out, I'd keep hearing the song in a bar, and I'd be like, what is this song? And, like, someone would maybe tell me, and I would just not remember. Like, I would just drink more and forget that happened. And eventually, like, it landed. I was like, oh, this song is called Johnny and Mary by Robert Palmer. And I definitely became obsessed with the song. It's, like, my favorite song ever. And I think that... And then I got into that Clueless record. And that's something that really... I think it's all over the style of that album because that album clues like has like new wave and soul and crowd influences yeah. and you know like some arty stuff and like you know I always like to mix up the genres on albums like yeah, I have totally. a, you know I have like a really diverse taste I don't really need, need to hear like 10 songs that are exactly the same type of thing I've just never and it may be to my detriment I mean it might be easier to get into bands where like you're familiar with exactly the type of tunes you're into but you know to me it's like uh, I'm like very much like uh, my, my big respect is to like classically great songwriters and of course Costello Grant Parker uh, Glenn Tilbrook and um, Chris Difford yeah. like they all go in that category you know yeah, I feel like She Laughs at All My Jokes was like a prime example of that great song oh, on thanks. the record. Yeah, that's very got a very like Costello impression on it. Do you have a favorite song on the record? God damn it. Uh, well, that's, that's a good <laughs> tough uh, well, hmm. I think that the one that like made me uh the one that sort of like exceeded whatever like idea i had about it is uh born to be with you great track just because that one is um we did something interesting where it's like i had the song that was done and i know it's like should some more things happen and then i was just like let's try jamming on this thing right after the song is over 
And then there's this whole other, like, instrumental sort of Giorgio Moroder type jam, which is like kind of too long and all over the place. And I love it so much. And I'm really glad we kept that on the record. I really like, you know, the, the spontaneous nature of that, I think, like made it better, not worse. That we didn't, you know, we didn't think about yeah. what we were going to do. And I love that. Um, and Gwyn gives really incredible vocal performance on that and Sean's keyboards. Uh, there's, you know, there's, that one just has a lot of things that I love on it. Yeah, and you dedicated the record to New York City, wherever you are, we love you, good times are on the way, is what it says in the band camp uh, liner notes. And I couldn't, also couldn't help but notice, I felt like the album art really reminded me of the, you know, New York Dolls logo and the the lipstick kind of it's similar color and kind of font um was that intentional or anything like that was this kind of like a homage to to new york yeah I had, well, I had this image of uh i was trying to think of what the record first i had this like the i was like because uh we stole the first record i mean i love to steal things from the animals of yeah pop history and the first record we stole from uh the noi album and Russell Heimowitz, yeah. who did the art, who also plays on two of the songs that we'll hear later. He's a bass player and an artist, a great friend of mine. And so he, I, I was like, try do this for the first one. Try do this like the Noi album. And then they changed their colors. There's a black and white one that's kind of the same thing. I was like, should I stick with that? But I, I had this idea of black and pink. And then I had the idea of no ice all night, just graffitied somewhere yeah you know it's because like during during the pandemic especially like i saw like a return of graffiti which is something i grew up with that sort of like got a little neutered in like the bloomberg era and you know it's like people were getting into street art again and i was like you know i don't know and i and i i had that popped into my head so i just you know i just called russ like you do it like this like a you know like like that and then he was like okay cool and yeah he just did it with lipstick um but I was thinking kind of like graffiti. Actually, I've done a few no ice nice. grow ups uh, in, in Bushwick. It's it's kind of like I used to. I did it a little when I was a kid, <laughs> and I was compelled to because we we uh, when I shot a video with Joe Wakeman, I was like, I kind of want graffiti in this video. It's just like during during the pandemic, it like made it some. There's some part of you that like had to like withdraw back to different things and like the city was like that i saw the city like going backwards and degentrifying in a way a lot of people being like we are fucking out of here and uh like instead of becoming more updated it became a little less update and like you know and then there's you know it's like we're we had nothing to do but sort of like look back in a way you know yeah what what i really like about this project too is you know, how many great local artists you also collaborate with. You mentioned Jill Wakeman, who's super talented visual artist. You know, there's tons of people in your band that played on this record that are also super talented musicians. Sean Spada, you've mentioned Sam Braverman as well. So what does the, this scene mean to you? Because I know you're a big uh, cheerleader for the local music scene. You're always out and about at shows and stuff like that. What does it mean to you, and how do you feel now that everything is coming back? It's a weird feeling. Uh, 
coming back. We played at Arbican Lady a couple of weeks ago, and that was kind of, you know, it was like when it goes on one of these, like, really, like, best day ever level things. And so I remember the day, it was yeah. like, in a way, it was like so anxious because I just would want it. It's like when you want something so bad, and then it's all happening, and, you know, you don't really know how to process it or whatever. But I mean, in general, people who like stayed around in New York and uh, you see community really like like announce itself in times of need like that and I saw the people that I know around me doing a lot of amazing stuff and you know during all the Black Lives Matter protests and like just lots of um, examples of strong community around me and the music people are very community minded the good thing about us yeah the sort of like you know the Brooklyn whatever DIY community it's like because we're used to a certain type of, let's say, like, grittiness to what we do or whatever, like, we know how to throw a thing together. Everyone will help. You know, it's like, yeah. we need this. A bunch of people will just show up. People show up for each other. And I thought that was absolutely amazing. I live in Bushwick, and I saw, you know, um, it's like, like, relief uh, centers run by people from the DIY community, getting food and clothes to people in the community was really awesome. And I always try and have that in mind when I'm doing anything really. Um, so there's just a lot of really sort of positive stuff. I mean, there's a lot of negative stuff too. Don't get me wrong. It's like, you know, you could, uh, you could have an hour of shit talking interview and I would give you a more I could give you an hour of amazing <laughs> shit talk about all your favorite people. You know what I mean? Like you could do that, but I saw a lot of good stuff and I think in a way it's good for us because not everything is that it was like before it was perfect. We have a chance to like reassess what we do and how we do it. And uh, you know, I mean, I just want to be involved in as much as possible. Meaning I just, you know, I want to play and be around other people who are creative and, you know, like amazing people in this community doing what they want to do and the music, art, whatever. Like it's, you know, in a way it's just like, you're lucky just to be in the cool place that you are, you know? Yeah, totally. Very well said. So now let's play some songs from all night. Everyone, you could get it on Bandcamp, noice.bandcamp.com. Tell we talked to we talked about Straight to Your Heart a little bit. Tell us about the title track in Goth Romeo. All night is a song that's probably like one of the most like like by the book pop songs I ever did. Like sometimes I listen to it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like in a good way. Reminds me of Taylor Swift or something, which is not so a way you would, you would not describe anything else I ever did like that. I don't think. You know, I, I love pop music, um, and yeah. song, it's actually like a song I wrote in kind of like five minutes. Um, I was watching a movie wow. by Robert Townsend. What's it called? Um, Fabulous Heartbeats. I think it's a movie about a doo-wop group. Anyway, there was like someone said that in the movie, like, "Why do I have to fight every night for your love?" or something. And I just like paused. I was like, "That's pretty good." And I took out my Casio SK1. Yeah. I put like a dinky drum machine beat on it, and I just wrote this too. And I was like, "Oh, well, this is." kind of cool i think it was like pretty into taylor swift <laughs> in the moment um and like i don't know you know sort of like at a certain point you i like almost like will force myself to like absorb some newer pop 
things, you know. Yeah. Uh, at a certain point, I definitely like Taylor Swift. Like, and that's what I think that like the band will always be like, oh, yeah, the Taylor Swift song. Uh, on yeah, I definitely heard that a couple times. But, yeah, then that sort of dictated the... Uh, the idea that I, I got obsessed with pop singles and uh, how to make yeah. one, you know, how to do the best one possible. And All Night was the one when other people heard it, they were really like, that's it's like, right, play that in that's Walmart a hit. or something, you know. <laughs> like, one, one for your grandmother, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Goth Romeo is one of the funny titles. I, uh, at some point. Yeah, it's a great title. At some point, I decided that I would have like a pop alter ego. His name was Romeo Romeo. It's a good name. And this was like a joke I was going for a while that I was sort of like, you know, become like, do this transformation into this like other guy, Romeo Romeo. Uh, but really, Goth Romeo is like, it's one of the only songs I ever wrote in Drop D ever. And it's a. Uh, homage to like one of this early 80s like goth pop you can dance to i got really into it definitely reminds me of psychedelic furs or orchestral maneuvers in the dark or a little bit like you know it's like sort of i don't know i got really into like goth music you can dance to like the, that yeah. idea that you can have like a sort of like a dark song that like is fast and boppy um but yeah, the the Goth Romeo is just something. Whatever I like, made this demo, and I was like, uh, I guess the song is called Goth Romeo. Uh, <laughs> it was just like Great a ridiculous title. title I love, yeah. yeah I kind of just like, like it. Just kind of still amuses me a little bit. Great title. All right, everyone, we're gonna hear three songs from No Ice's new record all night. Straight to your heart all night and Goth Romeo, and then we'll be back.
So we are back, everyone. You're listening to Local Fidelity on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Tom Gallo. I'm here with Jamie Fry of No Ice. No Ice's new record is out now. It's called All Night. You can get it at noice.bandcamp.com. And we heard three choice cuts from the album. We heard Straight to Your Heart, the title track, All Night, and Goth. Romeo. Jamie, thank you for sharing those great tunes with us, my friend. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. All right. Yes. Now you curated a playlist of local tunes. It's a sick playlist. So we're going to just go through what you pick. You picked some good stuff. I'm a big fan of this first artist, Shilpa Ray. I believe this is her latest single or one of her latest singles. I know she was like kind of slowly rolling out singles 
last year. Manic Pixie, Dream C Word, Cunt. You could say it on the radio <laughs> cunt here. On the radio. It's internet radio, so you can say it, dude. Cunt. <laughs> great, great song. Tell me a little bit about why you picked this track. <laughs> Uh, well, Chopin, um, aside from being a great friend, is uh, someone who I like truly, truly admire, and uh, I remember. I think I saw Chopin play when I was like a teenager at the Sidewalk Cafe, and then like much later, I saw her play with her like huge rock and roll band, and just like kind of just be like the absolute fucking baddest in town and i was like holy shit i didn't even occur to me and i put it together as like the same person i'm like wow you know that i saw some time ago um yeah shilpa's music i'd say of of uh of anyone in the community i listen to her records the most i think uh she's just an incredible songwriter singer musician band leader uh there's a lot to look up to there and i think she has a great career and should be the most famous of her of our generation, probably. This song, Manny Pixie Dream Con, is like the best song, punk song I've heard in ten or twenty years. It fucking yeah. it just rips. It rips so hard, and like the stuff she says is like really like her angle is really really smart and funny. And Very thought provoking lyricist for sure. Yeah, one of the people to really pay attention to what they do uh all the time and like i like you know there's lots of like great like piano pop songs and like there's all kinds of different things this one to me i like her just doing a straight up fucking rocker and just you know like like iggy pop or something just like ripping the track wide open i love it this track gets ripped wide open yeah so everyone that's the first track in this next set next up z walk rock and roll is a loser's game tell me about this band this song because i don't know them and i want to learn more sleepwalk is a really great band uh that are also oh great so it's called sleepwalk <laughs> yeah. it's z z gotcha it's very confusing when you look at it um but sleepwalk is a group uh they're kind of like a uh country rock like their own they do they do country music like in really like their own style and it's a group where it's a lot of people who like play a lot in different groups with different people um john catfish delorme is the main vocalist uh they all sing uh and he plays pedal steel with a lot of different bass played with psychic ills and oh, nice. party and um all kinds of different gigs on the pedal steel. Um, and then Mark Perro, who's a founder of the men who are one of my favorite local bands ever. Um, who, you know, known each other for a while. The bass player is the artist who did our album, Mark Russ Heimowitz, who is one of my best friends and just really one of the great bass players in the scene. The drummer is Adam Amram, who also played in Psychic Ills. He plays with Tall Juan, um, Ken South Rock, and Hardwick Hansen, who was in, they all had a band, a few of these guys had a band called The Junk Boys, and he was in Organs for a long time. So it's a bunch of people who are really, like, 
well-seasoned, great musicians, and like I hang out with these guys a lot, and they really love to play, and it's the type of thing where it's like they'll play a gig and then go hang out and play more guitar, and I'll, I will play with them for hours, like, you know, hanging out, drinking, and smoking, and whatnot. Um, and then they put this record at Holy Royal Casino, which is great. And to me, the vibe of what they do is all over the record. There's like just fun songs you sing together. Um, really cool new version of country. It's basically like people with a punk background, uh, just who love country, doing it 100% their way, pandering to no one but them, you know. Hell yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear this song based on your description. I'm stoked about it. Next, Smile Machine, Shit Apple. This is the awesome solo project of the very talented Jordan Blakely. Um, This is a song that'll appear on her debut EP, Bye For Now, which is out in... A couple of days. So you can pre-order it at smilemachineband.bandcamp.com. Really like the two songs that have been released so far by Smile Machine. Looking forward to hearing the rest of the EP. But this is the lead single, Shit Apple. Yeah, Jordan's been a drummer. Like, this is another instance where it's like, Jordan's played drums with so many different groups. Yeah. uh, And just, like, really worked her ass off so much. And her drumming is... You know, it's like a, a fucking, like, the wrath of God, you know? It's, like, really um, intense, powerful drumming. And uh, this is her first time. And I've, I've heard her, you know, we know each other a long time. And, like, I've heard her sing and do some of her material, like, over the years. And, like, she really has an amazing voice. And, like, she started writing songs and they're really good. And, like, to see this come to fruition, it's, like, fucking amazing. I went to their first gig and Jordan was, like, ripping insane guitar solos like what the fuck it's like you're you know damn that's impressive you know what i mean it's like the first gig on guitar just ripping awesome you know uh and it shows like how deep music can go in in people you know because so you think of a drummer as someone who like you know it's like their their strong suit is in the back and then maybe it's not true you know yeah This EP uh, engineered by the great Dan Francia, so you're definitely going to want to grab a copy, everybody. All right, next, Frida Kill, here's hoping. Uh, So Frida Kill, I guess they've been around maybe around two years, are uh, one of the most active bands in the New York DIY scene since they took off, uh, started by... Uh, Lily Gist and Maria Alina are two of the closest people to me. And uh, Jeanette Moses, who's a great photographer who also plays guitar, join and yeah. and the drummer Gabby uh, is Maria's cousin who picked up the drums or played a little, but it's it's her first band. It's the first band of pretty much all of them. And uh, I just like watched them grow into just such an amazing group uh and they're kind of just fucking all over the place gigging all the time um these are demos um recorded in a practice space that we share that uh jed smith mixed uh 
Oh, nice. Jed Smith. Yeah, they don't even have a record. I helped a little mix. Uh, um, but they're, they're just, they're, these are the demos and they're actually amazing and uh, they'll be releasing music in the future, but you can definitely see them. They're playing a ton of shows and they're like real, like punk in the real way. And it's like really self-made, transgressive, thoughtful, funny, like exactly what you'd want uh, from any thought of what a punk band should be. There's so many like, like excuse whatever there's so many people who like sort of pose uh with the genre um and sometimes like you get the feeling when you hear the real deal and that's the feeling that they give me hell yeah shout out to free to kill and then last but not least mpho no breakfast with andy this pick kind of ties a couple of different things together because the song features John Catfish DeLorne on Pedal Steel, who you mentioned a little earlier. Mark Pirro is in this band. Holly Overton, who's super awesome as well. Uh, this great art pop track. I really like this song. Yeah, the song rules. MPHO is a great band. Um, yeah, it's interesting, too, because you have the Sleepwalk guys. Or, you know, it's all related. There's like a lot of community where like a lot of people play with each other. You know, I mean, Mark and Russ and Holly are MPHO, and they've been playing yeah. in various iterations together for so long. I know these people forever. This is one of my favorite songs Holly has ever done. Uh, specifically, the vocal is awesome, and uh, yeah, the vocals are really good. On the show I've been doing with at Mean Drag, uh, I have a, a show. It's like a music interview show that we filmed during the pandemic. We filmed the first season. And uh, Mark and Holly are on, and they performed this song, uh, No Breakfast with Andy, before it was recorded. And I was like, that is your fucking hit. That is, to me, um, shows so much strength in like writing and melody and sparseness. Uh, really great song. Holly's a great artist, and uh, she does all kinds of different art. She makes yeah. films, just visual art. She plays classical piano, um, and she's a great friend and a, just like a great energy to be around. And um, it's one of my favorite things she ever did, and I like a lot of things that she did. And you know, Same. we know each other. A she's long super, time. super talented in many mediums, for sure. All right, everyone, so now we're going to hear this awesome playlist that Jamie curated, starting with Manic Pixie Dream Cunt by Shilpa Ray. We'll be back. <laughs> Shoot him up! 
broadcast from the Bushwick section of Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. As it has been for so many, 2020 was a difficult year for us financially, and every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. Please help by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law, so please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. And if you'd like to listen to RFB when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. And now back to Local Fidelity. All right, everyone, we're back. We just heard an awesome playlist of local tunes curated by my guest, Jamie Fry of No Ice. We heard Shilpa Ray, Manic Pixie Dream Cunt, Sleepwalk, Rock and Roll is a Loser's Game, Smile Machine, Shit Apple, Free to Kill, Here's Hoping, and MPHO, No Breakfast with Andy. Jamie, great job picking those tunes thank you my friend all right so everyone we're coming to the end of the program i know you want to get a copy of no ice's brand new record i did matt sklar did because i'm looking right on the band camp right now (laughs) to see who who has purchased it and i see him and i see me so go to noice.bandcamp.com get yourself a copy but before we go jamie now that the record's out, any gigs coming up, any shows coming up, what what are your plans for the rest of the summer? Oh, yeah. Um, I guess the weekend after next, we're playing a really cool gig at the historical Manmouth Cemetery in Jersey City. which is, Oh, uh, dude, that's where I live. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we're coming I to I live you. in Jersey City. You got Hell yeah. It's amazing. Have you been to one of these cemetery shows? Oh, yeah, they're sick, dude. I haven't been. It's going to be awesome. We're going to play the song The Cemetery in a cemetery. Um, I'm, yeah. really, I'm really happy to because like, uh, I love the Jersey scene a lot, and uh, especially after this, whatever, it's nice to be able to reconnect and go play and, and see the crew over there. That's cool. And then we have uh, exciting for the first time, we'll be playing Brooklyn Bowl in September with the Bottom Dollars and Apollo's Ghost. And uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty jazzed to play at that Brooklyn Bowl. They give you a free uh, blue ribbon fried chicken meal. Oh and, my goodness, that is the, awesome. Uh, rules. And like the last time I was at the Brooklyn Bowl, I, um, the Lemonheads and Tommy Stinson, I think, we were playing. And uh, I got so wasted. I had one of the best nights of my life there. And <laughs> I'm like excited to get back there um, and play. Dude, that, that's so play cool. The same stage. I saw Fishbone play there. I've seen, you know, I saw Mike Watt and Meat Puppets play there. Yeah, There's, dude. I was at that show. Know? That was a good that was one. A sick show. Jesus the Christ. Yeah. Mike Watt and the Meat Puppets. Puppet show, yeah. I held Mike Watt in my arms. I was like, Mike. Yeah, me too. I said, Mike, it's me, Jamie. <laughs> I interviewed you one time. He said, here, brother. And he just grabbed me and hugged me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Same. Yeah. He was very generous bed. with hugs. Oh, yes. I that was wonderful. What a nice <laughs> guy. Yeah, everyone. So, No Ice will be playing the Pushing Up the Daisies or Not Lucky Sevens Barbecue. For everyone who is not familiar with downtown Jersey City, local bar Lucky Sevens usually has a barbecue. Fourth of July week or around there. Not happening this year. This is what's happening instead at the cemetery presented by the one and only Dancing Tony Dancing of the Tony. Rocket Docket. Going to be a sick lineup. Well-wisher, Shred Flintstone, No Ice, my friend Sleepers Union, Tula Vera, Crooked Lake. Going to be sick, everyone. Hell yeah. So we're going to play one more track from the record. We're going to play the first track frequency everyone go get this album it's awesome no i stop bandcamp.com jamie thank you thank for chatting you. with me any old time yeah dude any old time everyone you've been listening to local fidelity on radio Peace. free brooklyn Coming in 